1: At the heart of envy is selfishness. So when you look at this verse, what two words in verse one show you that Rachel is selfish? Two words. Two words in verse one that show that Rachel is selfish. What are the words? Give me. me. (laughs) That's selfish, by the way. Give me. It's all about what Rachel wants. Rachel has also come to a crossroads in life and she's staying at the crossroads, and Rachel sees one road that's marked selfishness, give me, give me children or else I die. And Rachel sees the other road, selflessness, and by that road, God could have put Romans twelve fifteen: rejoice with them that do rejoice. See, if Rachel went down that road, she would be happy for Leah. She would rejoice for Leah, who's rejoicing over having children. Rachel will say, Oh, Leah, my dear sister, muzzle tow. She'd say, I'm happy for you. These are my precious nephews. Wonderful. Hmm? But instead, Rachel is hateful because she's not giving birth. But actually, from a biblical perspective, Rachel is giving birth. She's giving a lot of birth because it says in James 1.15, when lust hath conceived, it brings forth, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Lust for having children conceived in Rachel and it brought forth sin, the sin of hatred and envy. And then sin, when it is finished, brought forth death. Rachel died in her bitterness. As it says about her, she was actually giving birth in Genesis thirty-five eighteen, And it came to pass as her soul was in departing, for she died that she called his name Benoni, son of my sorrow, but his father called him Benjamin, son of my right hand. So Rachel died, having her second child, and as she was having him, she was cursing the child for causing her all the sorrow. Sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. So Rachel became envious. She became jealous of her sister, and she unjustly took a shot at Jacob. Now, if you were to describe an emotion that Rachel was filled with, what would that emotion be? Anger. Clearly anger, You know, most marital problems stem from anger. Anger is the root of marital problems. Now, Rachel says to Jacob, give me children or else I die. All right, she says to Jacob, give me children or else I die. Is that logical? (laughs) Is that reasonable for Rachel to ask Jacob for children? No, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, you know, (laughs) he loved her. I mean, it's illogical you know what that shows? Anger is not logical. Anger is not reasonable. Most marital problems stem from anger, and anger is not logical or reasonable. Anger has no logic. Anger has no reason to it, which is why marital counseling doesn't work, because marital counseling relies on logic and reason to resolve marital problems, But marital problems stem from anger, and anger is not logical or reasonable. Anger says, give me children or else I die. That's why marital counseling goes nowhere, because marital counseling is horizontal, relying on logic and and reason. Maybe I'll just get you to see how illogical you are, how unreasonable. Rachel, I just want you to see how illogical you are. (laughs) You think she'd listen? Oh, I had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) The only goal for people going to marital counseling is not to learn how they are wrong. They don't walk in the marital counseling and show me how wrong I am. <laughs> the only goal of marital counseling is to tell the other spouse why he's wrong or why she's wrong. Marriages need the Lord Jesus to be Lord because that's what resolves marital conflicts and problems. It's not a marriage counselor telling angry people to be logical and reasonable because angry people are illogical and unreasonable. They say things like, give me children or else I die. When married people submit, to the Lord Jesus Christ and make him God of their lives, then they fulfill the meaning of baptism, which is I go under the water, I die with the Lord Jesus Christ, I die to my wants, my desires, and then I rise up, I'm alive now to the wants and desires of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, and if the Lord has a desire for Jacob to be married to Leah, then Jacob needs to be baptized. He needs to symbolically go under the waters of baptism, die to his personal wants and desires for Rachel against Leah, and symbolically rise up out of the waters of baptism and alive to the personal wants and desires of the Lord Jesus love Leah. And the same is true for Rachel. Rachel died to her personal wants and desires and became alive to the, the, the wants and desires of the Lord Jesus. We wouldn't have the, this give me, this talk of give me children or else i die. But without that important death to self a new life in the Lord Jesus, then if Rachel and Jacob went to a marriage counselor, he would say, what's the problem in your marriage? And Rachel would say, Jacob won't give me children, and I'm going to die. And so tell him he's wrong to not give me children, and I'll stop being angry. <laughs> Rachel, <laughs> Jacob would have said, Rachel's blaming me for what God has done to her. So tell her that she's wrong, and then I'll, she'll stop being angry, and I'll stop being angry. See, all this, is that's what happens. All right. Now, when you look at verse 1, is Rachel asking for one child, No. She says children, doesn't she? It's very significant that Rachel did not say, give me a child. She said, give me children. See, Rachel did not say to Jacob, give me a child because one child was not enough for Rachel. Why not? An infertile mother would be happy with just one child. She could know the joy of raising a child. And and why wouldn't Rachel have been happy with just one child? Yeah, because Leah had more than one child. And she had to have more than one child. And that's why she said, give me children and not give me a child. This is really not about Rachel's love for a child. This is really not about Rachel's desire to be a mother. This is all about an envious, hateful competition between Rachel and her sister Leah. If Leah had 10 children, Rachel wants 11 children. How fortunate for you to be one of those 11 children. <laughs> For Rachel, this was all about a fierce competition. Children were just a means for her to get back at her sister. I mean, how would you like to have a mother like that? <laughs> how would you like to know that your mother really didn't want you because of you? she loved you, but she wanted you as another jab at her sister? Boy, welcome to the home of Jacob. <laughs> now, what did Rachel mean? When she said to Jacob, give me children or else I die. What was she, she going to die from? I mean, you know, should we put her on suicide watch? <laughs> is that what this, she's saying here? Well, she's not saying that she's going to commit suicide. What she's saying is that she's going to die from this anguish of spirit inside of her. She's going to worry herself to death. You know, not having children was going to shorten her days. She preferred death to life. She doesn't have the will to live anymore. To live without children was like like hell on earth, and she'd rather not. She'd rather just die. That's what she's saying. I mean, Rachel has really let this problem get to her. She has let this problem drive her into a state of despairing of life. And when we see Rachel here, this is a challenge for us to ask ourselves the question, how much do we let circumstances get to us? How far will we let these dilemmas of life drive us? How much are we willing to hold on to and not give up to God? When we see Rachel say, Give me children, or else I die, we see desperation. And it's this desperation that drives her to a desperate proposition, my maid. Rachel let herself get that desperate. How much should we let ourselves get that desperate? Why did Rachel get that desperate? Because she was impatient. Rachel was impatient. Impatience is the mother of many sins. When we see Rachel in verse 1 say give me children or else I die, we see in Rachel when we see her say that, we say I in Rachel I meet the works of the flesh. Here they come, all bundled up in one one pretty package. We don't see the fruits of the spirit. I mean, think of Rachel and how you meet the works of the flesh and not the, uh, the, the fruit of the spirit as I read to you that list from Galatians 5, 19, where it says, now the works of the flesh, now the works of Rachel, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, all part of the mind-made proposition. Idolatry, witchcraft, later we'll see her stealing idols from her father. Hatred, variance, emulations, rice straps, seditions. Rachel versus Leah. Heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, reveling, such like. Other which I tell you before, as I have told you in the time past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there's no law. Somehow, in verse 1 here, in, in seeing Rachel, we're not seeing love, joy, and peace. We're not seeing long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith, meekness, and temperance. Now, we read in verse 2, Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. That's what it says. We read, Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. We say, what? Jacob's angry at Rachel? <laughs> Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel? Rachel? Is this the same Jacob that kissed Rachel at the well when he first saw her and wept his heart out over her? Is this the same Jacob who couldn't live without Rachel and gladly gave seven years of hard labor to have her? Is this the same one we just read about in verse 20, and Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her? That's the same Jacob who worked another seven years, 14 years of his life? Jacob's anger is kindled against Rachel, that's the same person? Huh? Okay, what happened? What happened from the verse 20, all the love he had to her, and, and well, what happened is this great word that the Bible uses, kindled. <laughs> kindled. Boy, could there be a more graphic, descriptive word than that? Kindled to portray what happened. Jacob, all of a sudden, hates Leah. I mean, he, he, hates, he already hated Leah, and being married to Leah really frustrated him. But now Rachel's envy and her hatred for Leah was way more than Jacob's hatred of Leah. And so Rachel's hatred of Leah, it really got to Jacob. It just got under his skin. And then we see, and we see Rachel turn against Jacob with her classic, give me children or else I die. That lit the fire. That kindled the fire. And Jacob couldn't take it any longer. And Rachel now blaming Jacob for not giving her children, that was one jab too many. And he just couldn't take it. So, blaming Jacob, that was just too much. And he fires back his counter jab in verse 2. He said, Am I in God's stead? Who hath withheld thee from the fruit of the womb? Immediately, as soon as Jacob said those words, it felt good. Oh, that felt good (laughs) because he'd been taking it for so long, right? He felt relieved. He said, Am I in God's stead? Now, Jacob was saying to Rachel about God, look, God alone is the Lord of life and death. And Like Moses told Israel in Deuteronomy 32, 39, he said, see now that I, God speaking, even I am he, there's no God with me. I kill, I make alive, I wound, I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. And so Jacob is saying to Rachel about God, what the infertile Hannah said when she finally had a son named Samuel, and then she gave him to work in the temple, and she said in 1 Samuel 2, 6, the Lord killeth, he maketh alive, he bringeth down to the grave, he bringeth up. Jacob saying to Rachel about God what King David said about God in Psalm 68, 20, he that is our God is the God of salvation unto the Lord. Unto God the Lord belong the issues from death. Jacob saying, to Rachel about God, what, what the Lord Jesus said in John 8, 24. I said, therefore unto you, you shall die in your sins. If you believe not that I am, you shall die in your sins. And Jacob's saying to Rachel what the Lord Jesus says in Revelation 1, I am he that liveth, was dead, and behold, I am alive forever, evermore. amen. I have the keys of hell and death. And so he's, he's saying what God said about himself in Isaiah 45, 18, thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he created not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, there's none else. And then he said in Isaiah 45, look unto me, be ye saved, all ye ends of the earth. I am the Lord, I am God, there's none else. See, that statement by God, that last statement, that's what Rachel needed to do in her life. Rachel needed to look to God for the dilemma of not having children, not to Jacob. That's what we need to do. Look unto me, God said. So Rachel says to Jacob, give me children or else I die. Rachel, she's like Job's wife when she says that. You know, Job's wife said to him in Job 2.9, then said his wife unto him, dost thou retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. And when Jacob reproves his wife by saying, am I in God's stead, Jacob was, you know, he's saying just the same things that Job said to his wife in the next verse, but he said unto her, Job, he's Job 2.10, he said unto her, thou speakest as one of the foolish women speakest. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God and shall we not receive evil? And all this did Job sin not with his lips. See, Rachel was wrong to say, give me children or else I die. And so Jacob says in verse two, am I in God's stead? That's good. Good boy, Jacob. (laughs) You said a good thing there. You see Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. Open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Psalm 141, 5. Let the righteous smite me. It shall be a kindness. Let him reprove me. It shall be an excellent oil which shall not break my head. For yet my prayer also shall be in their calamities. Now, after Jacob has just said this, Am I in God's stead? The problem is he goes on. He doesn't stop. The anger is kindled. Verse 2 against Rachel. He said, Am I in God's stead? Who who hath withheld thee from the fruit of the womb? Now here we see Jacob with just that punch back when he said, Who hath withheld thee from the fruit of the womb? See, what was Jacob saying to Rachel in his anger? See, by calling children the fruit of the womb, that was a punch. You got painful words. That's what David said. In Psalm 127.3, Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. See, Jacob was doing okay when he said, Am I in God's stead? And he should have just stopped there. I mean, just stop there, pal. Don't pull the next punch. And he goes on and he says, Who hath withheld thee from the fruit of the womb? Because when you said that, Who hath withheld thee from the fruit of the womb? That was escalation, I know. <laughs> that is what? Made the conflict grow, okay? So I know this because my half-brother was an expert on not escalating a conflict in his marriage. I could still hear, may she rest in peace. Bob, stupid, get over here right now. I don't care what you're doing. He was a master. We all used to watch him and say, he's a saint. But where did all this come from? This give me children or else I die. This desperation from her. Where did it lead to? It led... To verse 3, and she said, Behold, my maid Bilhah, going unto her. See, Rachel's refusal to look to God for her problems led her to say to her husband, Behold, my maid Bilha." Her desperation led her to say, Behold, my maid Bilhah. For Jacob, he was told by his wife, Behold, my maid Bilha." But again, this put him at a crossroads. He didn't have to listen to Rachel, his wife, when she said, Behold, my maid Bilhah. Adam didn't have to listen to Eve, his wife, when she said, behold the fruit. And just that little caption in Genesis 3, 6, she took of the fruit thereof, did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. He didn't have to. That was a time when Eve said to her husband, behold the fruit, and he didn't, Adam didn't have to take the fruit. That was a time when Rachel said to, to her husband, behold my maid Bilhah. Jacob didn't have to take the fruit of Bilhah. King David, he didn't have to listen to the voice of temptation when he heard, behold the fruit. Just in that little verse about Bathsheba in 2 Samuel eleven two. it came to pass an tide. David arose from off his bed, walked upon the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. He didn't have to take that fruit. He was faced with, behold Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, but he did. It was not a sin for Jacob to hear Rachel say, Behold my, my maid Bilhah. It was not a sin for Adam to hear Eve say, Behold the fruit. It wasn't a sin for Jacob to have glanced and saw Bathsheba washing herself. It was a sin. It was not a sin when we are tempted to sin. But it is the second look and the reaching out and the taking. That's the sin. Yielding to temptation is the sin. Yield not to temptation for yielding is Sin each victory will help you, some other to win, fight manfully onward, dark passions subdue, look ever to Jesus, he will carry you through, ask the Savior to help you, etc. Now, who was the first person who made this Behold My Maid proposal in the Bible? Sarah. She was the first one. It was Sarah who said, Behold My Maid Hagar, go in unto her. What a world of trouble that caused with the hatred in that home and attempted murder of sending her and her son out, Ishmael, into this fatally hot desert alone. Jacob knew all about that when he yielded to behold my maid, Bilhah, going into her proposition. So we see in verses three and four that Sarah's bad example continues on. It's operating and it's leading Jacob into error. So in verse three, We see Rachel's plan when she said, Behold, my maid, go in unto her, she shall bear upon my knees. They may have children by her. What Rachel had in mind is that when Bilhah would give birth, that Bilhah would sit on Rachel's knees, and when the baby came out, Rachel would say, It's my baby. And that would be the practice for all of Bilhah's children because she used the word children and not child, in verse 3. So this is not a humble Rachel making an heir for Jacob. This is all about a proud Rachel wanting children of her own at any cost so that she should not stand childless next to her sister Leah. See, there's no express law given here about doing what Rachel is proposing. But there is an implication. Because when you read in Genesis 2, 23 through 25, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. "'She shall be called woman because she was taken of man. "'Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother "'and shall cleave unto his wife, "'and they shall be one flesh.'" See, this, taking this implication from those verses is what the Lord Jesus did in Matthew nineteen three, where he says, "'The Pharisees came to him, tempting him, saying, "'Is it lawful to put away a wife for every cause?' "'And he answered and said to them, "'Have you not read that he which made them in the beginning "'made them male and female?' He said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Their twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, there are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. See, that's that's using the implication of the scripture that said, made them both one. And that's what we should do. Oh, I don't see an exact law against it. It's the implication that's there. Now, what she's saying here, I want children of my own from Bilhah, that's also not reasonable. You know what reason says? Reason says, well, really, my own sister's children are nearer to me than my maids. They're related to me more. You know, maybe I have more satisfaction of them, but she's fond of power. She's fond of power. So now we read Jacob obeys his wife in verse 30. He gave him, Bill her handmaid to wife, and Jacob went in unto her. It's interesting that phrase, went in unto her. Coming together is not just physical. When it says Jacob went in unto her, it's emphasizing there's a mingling uni, union of two spirits here. You know, you thought you came for the one-night stand, one stand, pal? You bought the person. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6.15. Know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I make then make the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know you not that, that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this passage that you have taken time to record for us. And Lord, help us to say no to the Rachel inside of us and say yes to the Alea in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at tomcantor.org. That's T-O-M-C-A-N-T-O-R, Tom Cantor, at friendshipwithgod.org, Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening to Friendship with God with Tom Cantor. Do you have a heart for Israel and lost Jewish people in America? Then come work in Southern California as a full-time or volunteer missionary working with Tom Cantor in Israel Restoration Ministries, reaching lost Jewish people with their Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ. Hourly wage, 401k, health insurance, company car and phone, and other amazing benefits. Call us, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, israelrestoration.org.